Praise the Lord. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 11 in your Bible tonight. And uh, I've been all over the world and Currytown, North Carolina, a suburb of Arcadia, somewhere close to Lexington, not far from Winston, in the state of North Carolina. And how many woke up today and thought she's in a state of confusion? But I appreciate the goodness of the Lord. I've always wanted to be Brother Barry's fill-in, so I finally got that. And I appreciate that man of the Lord. Love you, Pastor. And I'm supposed to be preaching this week. Now listen to this. I'm supposed to be preaching this week in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean on this cruise boat in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean in 79-degree weather, but my mom is just this close to making her crossing, and I had to stay close by. She lives up here in Burlington, and so when he called, I said, man, it felt like it did when I first started preaching 45 years ago. They'd call and say, you got an opening? And I'd say four, spring, summer, fall, and winter, Amen. But I believe the Lord was in this, and I appreciate you having enough confidence in me to ask me to come. And it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And, of course, when you get a certain age, how many believe it's good to be anywhere? Praise the Lord. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 11. And I want to break in this text tonight in verse number 5 and read down the verse number 13 and just dig in and preach a little while. Luke 11, verse 5, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? And shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, and I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him, watch this now, as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you, Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and him that seeketh find. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask for a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And, of course, the answer to those questions are a thousand times no because the father always has the best interest of his child in mind. My daddy was whooping me. I didn't say spanking me. I said whooping me. You say, what's the difference? If you don't know, you've never had one. But the whole time he's a whooping me, son, this is for your good. This is for your good. And I'm thinking it might be for my good, but right now it don't feel very good. But the father has the child's best interest in mind. But then he turns it to the natural father 
to our heavenly Father. Verse 13, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, watch this now, how much more, and say that with me tonight, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit unto them that ask him? And I'm interested tonight in that little phrase in verse 13, how much more. Every December, I begin to pray that God will give us a theme, you know, for our church the coming year. And uh, I remember in December of 19, uh, we were getting ready to celebrate, you know, 2020. And so the theme of our church that year was 2020 vision. I got up on the first Sunday of January and I said, we'll see things this year. <laughs> Amen. We've never seen before. I wished I would have never said that. I had no idea that this thing called COVID-19 and 20 and 21 and 35 was coming around the corner. And that almost discouraged me from ever getting a theme. I told my wife, I said, I'll never get another theme. But I couldn't help it. It's just part of my DNA. And so this, this December night, I was praying about 2024. This verse came to my mind. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost unto them that ask him? And so our theme for this year is much more. In 24, exhorting one another, Hebrews 10, 25, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Because the Bible says, the eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And that verse is not talking about heaven. Now, you can apply that to heaven, but the literal interpretation of that verse is explained in the next verse. But the Holy Spirit has revealed them unto us. God doesn't expect you and I to wait till we get to heaven to see the fullness of God. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to enjoy our salvation. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to behold the mighty works of God because God is alive today. God is on the throne today. God is in the blessing business today. God is in the much more business in this hour because I really believe tonight there are no boundaries, borders, or limits to what God can do. Because the Bible said not only is our God able, he's not only able to do, he is not only able to do exceeding, abundant, but above all, not that just we ask or even think. If it's just a fleeting thought in our mind, God is not only able to do that, but go beyond that, exceeding beyond that because he wants you and I to cash in on the world of how much more 
we don't need less of God. We need more of God. We don't need less of church. We need more church. We don't need less of preaching. We need some more preaching. We don't need less worship. We need more worship. We don't need less soul winning. We need more soul winning. You pastors are like this one. We don't need less tithe. We need much more tithe. And I'm glad God is in the much more business. A country boy from Georgia, Virginia, and North Carolina, that's my three home states, would interpret it like this. You ain't seen nothing yet. And I believe when it comes to God blessing his children, sending revival, saving lives, using men and women and boys and girls for his glory, we ain't seen nothing yet. I'm glad tonight our God has much more in store for you and I. Well, in this text tonight, there are three areas where I see our God excelling in the world of how much more. You go back up to verse 5, 6, and verse 7. It is a parable about these three friends. One friend is hungry. And he's looking for some bread. This other friend that's trying to help his friend find some bread. But they find that there is another friend that has bread when nobody else has bread. And even though it is midnight, even though it is crunch time, even though it is perilous time, the friend was able to arise at midnight and satisfy the hunger in the heart of this man looking for bread. Now that is a picture of salvation. That is a picture of sinners finding the bread of life and the water of life and the way of life and the truth of life and the peace of life and the Savior of life and the meaning of life and the hope of life and the joy of life. And I'm glad to say tonight when it comes to God saving sinners, satisfying the longing soul of a lost man, you ain't seen nothing yet. You say, who can God save? How much more? How many can God save? How much more? You say, who did he die for? How much more? Who is the Holy Spirit calling to Christ? How much more? Brother Joe, when we give the invitation and tell a congregation, if you're lost and undone with that God or his son, come on and meet Jesus and get saved by the grace of God. Amen. Brother Joe, who are we directing that to? How much more? So much more. Because I just believe tonight there is not one person too low that God cannot save. I don't believe there's one person too far out in sin that God cannot save. Just when you think that God has reached the apex of his saving ability. Just when you think that God has saved the worst diabolical sinner 
in Davidson County, North Carolina. Surprise, surprise, surprise. He'll reach way below the bottom. He'll reach way below that one. Because when it comes to God saving sinners, you ain't seen nothing yet. If I might borrow a little line from one of my heroes that's already in heaven, Brother Sammy Allen, Brother Sammy would say, Hey, friend, you can't witness to the wrong person. You can't hand a track to the wrong person. You can't preach the gospel to the wrong person. You can't quote John 3.16 to the wrong person. You can't give a gospel invitation for sinners to be saved to the wrong person, to the wrong church, to the wrong congregation. Ladies and gentlemen, I am not a Calvinist. I am not a friend of a Calvinist. I'm not kin to Calvinist. He bled for every man. He died for every man. He offers every man a ticket to heaven, and you don't have to die without God and go to hell. He's still saving sinners. He's still calling sinners. He's still rescuing the lives of men and women and boys and girls. And I'm telling you, when it comes to God, satisfying the longing soul, changing a man's life, revolutionizing him for time and eternity, how much more, how much more, how much more, you ain't seen nothing yet. Well, we was having church at our place the other day and uh, this lady was sitting on this side, never had been to church one day, to our church one day in her life. I mean, riding down the road and she said, that looks like a pretty church. And so she came in and sat down and the choir sing like your choir did tonight and our special sing like you did tonight. And uh, I had a guest speaker that day and he got up and just preached a simple ABC gospel message. Never been in our church one day in our life, but the Holy Spirit got a hold of that young lady. She walked down that aisle. Our soul winners were on her like them little flies stick to them fly tapes. And, buddy, I, I seen them down there struggling a little bit. And I seen one of our older workers, I mean, had a look on her face as, as pale as that speaker. And I went, and I've been this lady's pastor 40 years. I said, Kathy, what is it? She said, help me, preacher. This woman says that she went to the church down the street, and she went up there to have just somebody to pray with her, and they grabbed her, stuck her in a baptistry, and ducked her and, and voted her into the church. And I just asked her, have you been born again? Have you been saved? She said, that's what I went to find out at that other church, but I ain't found it out over there. I said, well, take her down the Romans road. That'll do the trick. And son, she got born again, and she got saved. And this was the kicker. She got so saved Sunday morning, she came back Sunday night, and half of our members don't even do that. I'm just telling you, I'm glad the door is still open 
and the message still goes out. And I believe the only hope for America is churches like this one and those represented in this room tonight to get a hold of God and let God get a hold of us and go soul winning and preach the gospel and give invitations and invite men and women and boys and girls to come to God because it ain't no boundaries, borders, limits to who God can... Honey, he can save every sinner from Midway, Arcadia, to Boogaloo and back. I'm telling you, God is in the saving business. And when it comes to God saving sinners, how much more? How much more? Woo! You ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, just when you think he has saved the worst of them, he'll save one worse than that. Well, how many believe this tonight? If God can save you, he can save anybody. Man, I sat in my daddy's church all my life, and, and man, I, I knew Jesus died for sinners, but I had in my mind, you know, just normal sinners. I didn't have any idea just what all kind of sinners he died for. My brother sitting back there is walking in many a prison and looked at men and women in the eyes that committed some of the most atrocious, awful deeds against humanity that anybody's ever committed. But I'm glad he's able to tell them, Christ receiveth sinful men we better get back to the invitation song that Christ receiveth sinful men. There's nobody in your town he can't save. There's nobody in your city that he can't save. There's nobody in your family. There's nobody in your neighborhood. There's nobody on your block. There is no living, breathing human being that's beyond the long arm of the grace of God and the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God. Let's get some more saved because when it comes to God saving sinners, how much more? How much more you ain't seen nothing yet. And thank God for the plan and the person and the power and the proof of salvation. I got another point, but I'm enjoying the fire out of that one. I'm glad when it comes to saving sinners, you ain't seen nothing yet. But notice in verse 6 and 7 and 8, I see something else. When it comes to God supplying needs, how much more, how much more, you ain't seen nothing yet. Watch what unfolds in the text. Here is this friend and he's hungry and he's looking for bread. He's trying to find something to satisfy his hunger. Well, he goes by this friend's house and he says, I need some bread. But that friend says, I'm sorry. I don't have any. I don't know if he meant by that it was stale, it was molded, it was rotten, or he didn't have any at all. He said, I don't have what you need. But I'm glad the story doesn't end there. He said, wait a minute. I got a friend who's always got bread, and I'm going to go talk to him about it. So this friend 
on behalf of another friend, went to his friend, knocked on the door at the midnight hour and said, I need some bread, but I don't need it for myself. I need it because there's a friend of mine and he's needing the bread and I don't have any to give him. Would you possibly lend me three loaves? But the man got out of bed, even though it was midnight, and he didn't give him one. He didn't give him two. He didn't give him three. He got more. My God, I love this text. He got more than he asked for because the Bible said he gave him as many as he needed. God gave him what he needed to fulfill his divine appointment. You say, what do you mean by divine appointment? It is no accident that when this man got hungry at midnight, he went by this friend's house to get him some bread. And it's not an accident that that friend in the midnight knew somebody that supplied all of our needs and he was able to give him what he needed to fulfill his divine appointment. Can I just quote a verse of scripture from Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 19? But my God shall supply all your needs, not out of, but according to his riches in glory. You say, now what has that got to do with Currytown Baptist Church? I'm glad you asked. This church is not here by accident. You're not the pastor by accident. You're not here by accident. God sovereignly, divinely, on purpose, raised up a church on 150 somewhere in the state of North Carolina between Charlotte and Asheville. Midway, Arcadia. Taylor Hill. You know why God's placed you here? Because I promise you within a stone's throw of this building, there are men and women and boys and girls lost, undone. Their families, their lives are a wreck. And the only future they got is to die without God and go to hell. But God's done dropped you right in the middle of it. With the door open and the lights on and the piano's playing and the choir is a singing and the ushers are ushering and the people are praying and the people are singing and the man of God is preaching. You say, Brother Joe, we can't do so much in this area with all these sinners. I know our mental capabilities is going to run out. Our money's going to run out. Our plans are going to run out. Our ideas are going to run out. Our energy will even run out. Oh, but when it comes to God scooping out what we need, hallelujah, when it comes to God giving you and I, when it comes to God giving your preacher, when it comes to God giving your church what you need to fulfill your divine destiny, 
There are no boundaries. There are no borders. There are no limits. You can't have a bill too big for God to pay. You can't have a need too big for God to meet. You can't have a prayer too big God can answer. You ain't got a burden too big God can carry. And this is your day. This is your hour. We've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And God is able to give us what we need to fulfill our divine appointment. You ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to God supplying all of our needs. Can I run a rabbit if I hurry? Can I run a rabbit if I hurry? I get so tired of our style of churches going like, well, we can't compete with the people with money. God's got more money than the church that's got money. Well, you know, we can't compete with that church on yonder. They got more to offer than we got. Hey, we got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. That's a whole lot right there. Yeah, but I'll tell you, we just can't compete with the world. We just can't compete with the entertainment centers. You know, we're just a little ragtag army. We we have to take a back seat to everybody. You know, we just, let me tell you, we ain't got to take a back seat to nobody. The head cornerstone is Jesus Christ, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the king of kings, and the bright. The foundation of this church said, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The song the choir sang, Bow the knee, the one you just bowed your knee before. The Bible said the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the taters that's in the hills. He's owned the bugs that's in the taters. He owned the dirt that the taters are in. God owns it all. God's got it all. Don't you be afraid to serve him. Don't be afraid to launch out into the deep. Don't be afraid to reach and dream big for God. Because standing somewhere in the shadows is our God. I'm about to encourage myself. And when it comes to supplying our needs, you ain't seen nothing yet. How much more? How much more? I've canceled many, many young couples. They know God wants them to serve him. They know that God has something special for their family. They'll look at me and they'll say, but Brother Joe, we're worried. You know, we have bills. We have children. We have obligations. Can I tell you, God knows about your obligations. God knows about your bills. And he knows about your children. He's the one that give them to you. But he also knows that there's a fish out there in that pond with some money in his mouth. He also knows that down by the brook, there's some ravens about to fly in, fresh groceries. And he knows over yonder the cemetery, there's a little widow woman with a pot of oil. Hallelujah. 
and he knows on the other side of the mountain where you've never been, there's a ram coming up that you've never seen. And God's about to step out in your life and prove to you and your family and all the skeptics that's in your world that God is more than able and willing to supply all of our needs. How much more? How much more? You ain't seen nothing yet. Launch out in the deep. Win your community to God. God builds buildings. God buys vehicles. God pays bills. God feeds young'uns. God supplies the need. How much more? You ain't seen nothing yet. The only thing worse than your wife preaching to you and reminding her that you are wrong and she is right Fellas, it don't take but one time for you to be wrong and her to be right. It don't take but one time. And that one time, uh, you will be reminded of it. I believe even at the judgment seat. I believe the Lord may say to that preacher's wife, Honey, you got to say one more thing. Yep, one more time, honey, I tried to tell you. And there's only thing worse than that than one of your members yelling at you right in the middle of your sermon. Practice what you preach, preacher. You see, you can't get mad in public. You can't throw a microphone at them in public. We had reached the end of our growth at our church. I mean, there was nowhere to sit. There was nowhere to park. There was nowhere to take the babies. There was nowhere to go to the bathroom. And when you're in the city, they don't let you have outhouses. Young people are wondering what that is. If you don't know, what a blessed, blessed, blessed experience of not knowing. And I found out how much money we needed to grow. I went down to the banks and found out what we was going to need. And I had never heard of such numbers. When that man told me the amount of what we needed, I was like that man on TV. I grabbed my heart and said, Elizabeth, this is the big one. Now, all the spiritual people are trying to act like they don't know what I'm talking about. But all the carnal people are going, yeah, I remember that right there. I'm going to tell you that right there. Yeah. Man, I, I grew up poor like most of you. Now, I wasn't quite as poor as Billy Kelly. Billy Kelly, he said he was so poor that if they went to Kentucky Fried Chicken, they'd have to lick somebody else's fingers. Now, I, don't, I don't know about that or not. But, man, we, didn't talk, we talked in tens and twenties. Barely talked in hundreds. Hardly ever talked in thousands. But I ain't ever met nobody that talked in millions. Now you get up in there, brother. You didn't got beyond my league. I'm still in that $10 phase. How about you? Millions and millions. And man, I looked at our people and they always said, well, let's look at your giving units. The most disturbing thing you'll ever do is pull your giving units 
And when you give, when you see your giving units, you know if you still got the light on, there is a God in heaven. Can I get a witness? And to make a long story short, we didn't have enough money, couldn't get enough money, couldn't borrow enough money. I mean, we were shut out and shut down and shut off everywhere a man could look. I didn't have no rabbits to pull out of the hat. I didn't have no bonds to sell. I called Dave Ramsey and he hung up on me. Not really, but he would have. Boy, I was up one Wednesday night. Man, I was so discouraged. I'm trying to encourage our people to remind them how bad we were having it. You didn't catch that. I was trying to encourage my people by reminding them how bad we were having it, how bad things were, how we needed a miracle from God and how it was God or nothing. And man, I'm up there just giving my little speech. And in the back's one of them sweet little old ladies that had literally taken one of my sermons to heart. She had really listened to a sermon that I preached and she really believed it. I think she believed that I believed it. Because two weeks ago I had preached about Moses standing there at the Red Sea and he couldn't go that way and he couldn't go that way and he couldn't go that way and he'd already been that way. So what do you do when you can't go that way and you can't go that way and you can't go that way and you done been that way? What do you do? Well, you look up that way and a God that way comes this way and no matter what's that way or that way or that way God makes a way and she really thought I believed that and she believed that and right in the middle of my depressing Wednesday night prayer meeting speech she jumps up and says preacher do you remember I said sit down you're out of order and boy, it hit me. I said, Sister Sylvia, stand back up and say it one more time. And son, she said it one more time. And that one got to saying it. And that one got to saying it. And I got to saying it. And about that time, the Holy Ghost got to. I only some. It wasn't that real when Sylvia said it. And when the other sister said it. And when one of the deacons said it. Or even when Brother Joe said it. But when the Holy Ghost jumped up in my hard and he said it I knew baby help was on the way and to make a long story short every need supplied every bill paid every mountain lord every valley exalted the black sky turned to blue sky and the sun still shines cause God knows how to buy land he knows how to buy buildings he knows how to pay bills he knows how to buy groceries you don't have a need that God can't provide he'll give you what you need to fulfill the will of God for your life don't you be afraid to serve the Lord because when it comes to God's supply of needs you ain't seen nothing yet Woo! 
God's going to give this church everything that it needs to fulfill your providential appointment. God's going to give you everything you and yours need to fulfill your divine appointment. And brother, can I just say it like this? It is no secret what God can do, what is done for others, as they sit in the mountains, he just libels to do for you. I mean to believe there's nobody God can't save. Well, I want to say there's no need that God cannot supply. We may not have it. We may not see it. We may not know where to find it. But God sees and God knows and he's able. How much more? You ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to God supplying. Not some, not part, but all of our needs. People tell me this all the time. Brother Joe. I don't see how you do what you do. I don't either. But my God has supplied. He knows how to write sermons. He knows how to raise money. He knows how to organize church. He knows how to reach people that speaks another language. He knows how to reach a city. He knows how to build a building. Whoop. He knows how to heat one in the winter and cool one off in the summer. I want to tell you, he knows how to supply missionaries, pastors, evangelists. Can I just step on over here in the deep? If there is a desire in your heart to do more for God and to go deeper with God, and to go further with God, jump on in. The water's fine. Take the nasty plunge because standing somewhere in the shadows of your willingness will be the sovereign God of heaven that operates in the realm of how much more. God saving sinners. God supplying needs. But number three, come down to verse number 13. And I believe we see the salvation. I believe we see the supplying of the needs to bring us to the real crux of this text. This up to this point is just an introduction. It's about to get juicy right here. Because when it comes to God saving sinners, how many will agree? No boundaries. How much more? When it comes to God supplying needs, how many will agree? How much more? No boundaries. Well, in verse number 13, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to supplying needs, but in verse 13, when it comes to the spirit-filled life, When it comes to the breath and the unction and the anointing and the touch of the Holy Ghost, you ain't seen nothing yet. 
no boundaries, no borders, no limits. Oh, Brother Joe, I want more of God. Open up your heart. Let him have it. Because you ain't seen nothing yet. How many would agree with me? We need to get closer to God in 24. We need more of God's power. More of God's unction. More of God's ability. More of God's presence. More of God's outpouring. Well, guess what? According to this text, he can. According to this text, it's even how much more? How much more? How much more? Ladies and gentlemen, if you want the blessing and the breath and the touch of God upon your life, it is yours for the asking. I was preaching one night in Jacksonville, Florida, on the spirit-filled life. And the pastor was sitting on the front row, and I knew, I knew I had said something, and he got mad. That poor little feller, he turned red all the way up his goozles, his gills, to the top of that little vein. And I knew when that little vein popped out, he was mad at Brother Joe. He come by the next morning to the hotel to take me to the airport. And Florida is usually a warm place. But that day, it was a cold ride. And the air condition wasn't even on. He never said a word. He pulled up to where the Delta people get out. And as I was getting out, he said, Now, by the way, Reverend Arthur, before you get out of my car, I want you to know something. I don't believe one word of what you preached last night. He said, I've heard Jack Howes talk about getting full of the Spirit of God on his daddy's grave. I've heard about D.L. Moody praying all night and staggering down the steps and going down to Chicago and seeing people lost with that. I've heard all them stories. But I want you to know I don't believe any of that scary stuff about the fullness and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe one word of that. I know I shouldn't have did what I did. A good Christian wouldn't have done what I did. But the devil made me do it. And some of y'all remember that too. I said, sir, before I get out of your broken down Dodge, a man driving a Ford would have never said anything like that. I said, but before I get out of your broken down Dodge, I want you to look how nervous that makes me. And I said, sir, I don't care if you believe it or not because I believe it enough for me and you both. And I thought I'd get one more shot in. And I said, furthermore, dragging my little suitcase, if you don't want your blessing, pass her down my way. I'll take a double dose of it. 
because I've seen what man can do. I've seen what organizations can do. I've seen what ministries can do. But I believe America needs to see one more time what God can do, what the Lord can do, what the Holy Spirit can do. And when it comes to the church operating in Holy Ghost power and Holy Ghost anointing and Holy Ghost unction, you ain't seen nothing yet. How much more? How much more? How much more? I was preaching yesterday at the tabernacle on the life of Elijah. And I really got over there in that second chapter when he asked that old man of God for a double portion. A double portion. And I thought, Lord, what made that man ask for that? Had he ever heard of it before? And I went to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 21, when they were laying out the civic laws. And when a man came down to divide his inheritance, he would give the firstborn not just an inheritance, but a double portion of it. And here's what really got me. If there was a man who got killed in war and left an orphan son, that man would adopt him. But because he was adopted, he couldn't be given just the trimmings. He too got a double portion of the Father's blessing. If I wasn't so fat, glory to God, I'd run right there. Now listen, Elijah knows he's not the blood birthed son of Elijah, but he says you can adopt me. And if you do, I'm as good as the firstborn. So double up on it, brother. But he didn't say, this is what got me. But he didn't say a double portion of your money, a double portion of your livestock, a double portion of uh, your land, a double portion of your stocks and your bonds. No, a double portion of thy spirit because he knew that spirit on Elijah was the spirit of power and the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of God. He said, Papa, just adopt me and double me up on my... You, you say, what has that got to do with us? Well, it Anybody here tonight been saved since the day of Pentecost? Well, if you're here and you are saved, let me just give you a revelation. You've been saved since Pentecost. Because some of us may look like we're 2,000 years old, but we're not. Well, guess what happens to everybody that's been saved since Pentecost? They're regenerated by the Spirit of God. And you're called the children of the firstborn. Because ain't nobody been generated by the Holy Ghost before us. I mean, if you think it's something to get delivered at the Red Sea, if you think it's something to be delivered in the lion's den, it ain't a drop in the bucket to being born again by the blessed Holy Ghost of God. We're the church of the firstborn. But I'm talking about a double portion. 
You're more than born again of the Holy Ghost. But according to Romans 8, through the blood of Christ, you've been adopted into the family. So I'm God's by birth and by adoption. So therefore, worthy or unworthy, I'm in line for my double portion. And I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about cars. I'm not talking about earthly prosperity. I'm talking about the breath of God and the unction of God and the anointing of God and the glory of God. I want my birthright. I want my double portion. And God is able to do how much more I told our people this the other day, and God's doing something. If you take the Holy Spirit anointing and unction out of the church, all we are is another civic organization. All we are is another humanitarian relief program. All we are is another place for people to sing and exhibit talents and spew out religious information. But I want to do more than be a civic group. I want to do more than be an humanitarian aid relief. I want to have more than a place where talents are exhibited. And I want to do more than just spew out some religious information. I want the Holy Ghost to breathe upon it and anoint it and make it alive because it takes that civic organization, that humanitarian relief, that exhibit of talent and that place of religious information and it turns it into a soul winning station, a life changing station, a Holy Ghost unctionized church and I believe what America needs is for God to visit the church one more time, one more time. How much more? And God, And God has no boundaries, borders, or limits to what he can do. It's been about 18 and a half years ago, almost 19 years ago. One Sunday night, we started at 6 o'clock. And the dear gentleman that led our congregational singing at that time is now going home to be with the Lord, but he came to my office that night, Brother Inslee, and said, all right, Captain, what do you want to start with? And I said, well, Brother Clarence, whatever you feel like the Lord would be pleased with. And got out there and got that little church hymnal and turned to page 113. Do you know anything about the church hymnal? Page 113 is glory to his name. And that little handful of people started singing to the top of their voice. Down at the cross where my Savior died. And son, by the time we got to that second line, glory to his name. The door opened. And somebody come in that room. And I resigned. I got out of the way. And about 10.30, we finally got our way out of there. Never seen such. 
as they as the Yankees say, it got on. Praise the Lord, Pastor McDaniel. It got on. Amen. Glory. And as they say in Mississippi, it got on, glory to God, tell you that right there. It got on right there. People were saved. People were called to the mission field. People were blessed. And that handful of members that are still alive called it that night. Next time you guys see my wife, ask her, Julie, what about that? And all you got to say, what about that night? And I'm telling you, my wife ain't no holiness. She ain't even a good independent Baptist. She's an Episcopalian, brother. We got an argument one time, and I said, bless God. I said, you'd have made a good Methodist preacher's wife. She said, I may would have, but right now I'm married to a loudmouth Baptist, so get on. I said, get behind me, Satan. Boys, don't talk like that. It don't pay. You can go hungry talking like that, son. You think you've lost a hair on your head. You talk to her like that, you lose it off your chin. Ask Julie about it. She was in the nursery with some of the ladies, and about 9 o'clock she said, I'm going to go see what's keeping Joe. And she said, I made my way down that back hallway in that little building, and she said, honey, when I came in them swinging doors out front, she said, my daddy talked about it, my papa preached about it, but I saw it, the cloud. She said, it was foggy in there. And she said, I backed out. I was afraid. She said, I went back to the nursery and I said, ladies, somebody besides Joe was up there tonight. God moved that night. About 10 o'clock, an elderly fellow got up and said, Brother Joe, a visitor, he said, I'm loving this, but I got to go. I will never convince my wife I've been at church for four hours. He left. The other day, just the other day, we were singing the opening song, and I looked, and a real old man, I mean an old broken down man, came in on a walker. And I noticed he really enjoyed the service. I could just, He just grinned like a hog in slop. And after church, he pulled that little walker up there, and he said, Brother Joe, you remember me? And I said, well, you look a little familiar, but he said, do you remember that night? I said, yes. He said, you remember the guy that stood up and said he had to go home because he never convinced his wife he'd been to church for four hours? I said, yep. He said, that was me. And I said, man, it must have took you a long time to explain it to her because you ain't been back in almost 20 years. He said, no, here's what happened. He said, the next week my wife had a stroke. And we had to move to Alabama to live with our boy. But my boy died and my wife's died. And I've had to come back to Jonesboro to live with my grandson. And he said, I just wanted to come over and ask and find out, is he still here? Now, here's what I love about it. We didn't change locations. 
We done changed buildings. We're not even in the same neighborhood. And he went to the old church and walked in and said, Is Brother Joe here? They said, Oh, you mean the former pastor? They've moved over yonder. He said, So I got in the car and I told my grandson, Let's go over yonder. He said, They say Joe's there. But I'm really wanting to find out if Jesus is there. I'm going to be done in a minute. I'm about to. And I said, well, Dennis, what do you think? Now, listen. I understand that most Baptists don't act like this. But every once in a while, one of them break the mold. And he went, hallelujah. He's still here. Woo! And he told me this story. He said, Brother Joe, I was hoping to get to see you again. He said, you'll never believe what happened that night. He said, I was on my way home from that service. I got so happy. I was weaving all over the road, and the Jonesboro police pulled me over. And said, old man, where you been? The name of our church at that time was Jonesboro Baptist Tabernacle. He said, I've been to the tabernacle, and I'm intoxicated He said, sir, have you been drinking? He said, yeah, but from a fountain that'll never run dry. And that policeman had enough discernment to realize, he said, sir, you need to get home and be real careful. He said, don't worry about me, Mr. Copper. The Lord is with me. He said, well, you might want to ride with me. You may kill him before you get home. Be careful, old man. You know what happened that night? It got beyond the choir. It got beyond the deacons. It got beyond the ushers. It well got beyond the preacher. God stepped in and started operating in the realm of how much more. God changed my life that night. God changed my family that night. God changed our ministry that night. God changed our church that night. I am what I am tonight. My family is what it is tonight. Our church is what it is tonight because that night because that night we found out there's no boundaries, borders, or limits to what God can do. How much more? And in closing tonight, according to verse number 13, the only thing I see whoo, that's keeping us from how much more is one word that shows your and my responsibility. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? It looks like tonight, Pastor McDaniel, the only thing keeping me and all of us from how much more is the one word, ask. Well, God saved me, preacher, ask. Will God supply my need? Ask. Oh, but will God fill me and touch me and use me to do great and mighty things? 
Let me say it like this and I'm done. If you're bold enough to ask, God's big enough to do it. Can I say that one more time? If you're bold enough to ask, God is big enough to answer. Have you ever preached something that blessed the fire out of you before it did anybody else? Can I just say that one more time? If you're bold enough to ask, God's big enough to answer. Let's stand together. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you're not a weak Jesus. You're not a feeble spirit. You're not a used up God. But you're the mighty Jesus. You're the Holy Spirit. You're the heavenly Father. Oh, God, one more time. How much more? How much more? God, when I asked you to save me, you did. When I asked you to supply my needs, you did. God, I remember that night when I asked you to use me, and you did. I'm asking again. I'm asking again. Please, Lord, how much more? In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Sister, if you'll play something. How much more? How much more? Higher heights for God. Deeper depths. God has no boundaries, borders, or limits to what He can do in your life if you'll ask Him. If you'll ask Him. If you're bold enough to ask, God's big enough to answer. Glory. He's the friend that gives the bread. He's the Father that gives the blessing. And if you're bold enough to ask, He's big enough to answer. Praise the Lord. Able to do exceeding, abundant, above all that we ask for. Glory, glory, glory. 